Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. Um, for your free 30-day trial subscription, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for FilmStage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Bill Graham. Woo! All right. Uh, Robin Barr, not in the virtual studio with us today. Everyone gasp. <gasps> oh. Instead, today, her place is taken by our esteemed guest returning to the podcast for the first time since we talked about Michael Bay's Ambulance. It's Jonah Zhang. Hello. What is up, Jonah? How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Excellent. You are just becoming our, like, go-to balls-to-the-wall action guy. How do you feel I about mean, that? <laughs> second appearance. I mean, honored, I guess, but I'm sure there are <laughs> lots of plenty qualified people. So, I don't know. Just looking forward to chat about John Wick 4. And... Yeah, see what happens. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about this movie as well. Who would have thought, I don't even remember when John Wick first came out, but who would have thought when that first trailer came out and broke the internet, right? Because people were just like, there's this fucking movie, and apparently Keanu Reeves is like killing a bunch of people because they killed his dog. Like, who would have imagined that that silly thing that people were like, oh, I don't know, it could be stupid fun would turn into like the predominant action franchise of our generation. It's awesome is what I'm saying. That's just such a great thing. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, before we get into it though, even though again, I'm super excited to do that. Jonah, would you like to tell the people at home a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah. So uh, again, my name is Jonah. Uh, I'm a, uh, doing a, a PhD in film media studies at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, but I guess more pertinent to this today's podcast, I write uh, film criticism, mainly about action movies. Uh, the main example of this is a column on action scenes. I started for a movie notebook. Um, I love action movies. And I love talking about them. So yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> also, I've just got this like perfectly done because we're here today partially uh, because of Mubi. We're also here because of listeners like you, but I'm not going to talk about that yet. Um, <laughs> as always, we are brought to you by Mubi. This uh, this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service to elevating great cinema from around the globe. Uh, you all know, from iconic directors to emerging on tours, there's always something new to discover. Uh, with Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected, so you can explore the best of cinema, streaming anytime, anywhere. Um, I love curated stuff. I have begun curating stuff. Uh, it's not even a joke. Uh, at my my site for my whiskey, inkwellwhiskey.com, um, I've started writing about cool things I've found, uh, whether it be fountain pens or specific types of paper or even cast iron pans. Again, not a joke. Um, I am a huge fan of tactility, and I think that there is something to objects 
that makes us uh, connect with them on a deeper level than much of what's happening in our digital world. And so I'm super excited to talk about Notebook Magazine, which is released by Movie, which uh, Jonah just talked about. Notebook is a print-only magazine devoted to the art and the culture of cinema, created, prepared, and published by Movie. Notebook is published biannually. Uh, it is a yearly subscription that includes two beautiful issues. Each issue comes with an exclusive gift, a surprise, just for Notebook subscribers. And shipping is free wherever you are. So if you're a John Wick type and don't know where you're going to be minute to minute, uh, this is perfect for you. Subscriptions are now open for issues three and issue four. If you can, or if you, you can subscribe to the magazine now for just $40 a year and you can find out more at movie.com slash magazine. Um, so I'm super excited about this. I, again, like I said, love tactility. I love an actual thing you can hold in your hands. And, um, I, you know, just like the more I do, the more that I create that can be seen in a physical space. Uh, the more I love that stuff. I've started buying more magazines, actually. I find that I focus on things and read them better in physical form, which is probably not a surprise to most people. And I feel like most people are also the same. Um, when it comes to reading things online, I just find myself like hitting the hyperlinks and jumping and you know, another friggin' notification pops up and I have to answer a work email or something, even though all I want to do is read about cool movie stuff. So I'm super excited that movie has a physical magazine right now for uh, all the people who love great movies, whether they be uh, international or, you know, auteur driven or uh, action stuff. So that's awesome. Um, don't forget, though, that you can also try Mubi as a streaming service for 30 days uh, for free on us by going to Mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that's M-U-B-I dot com slash filmstage for a whole month of great cinema for free. So Mubi is rapidly expanding to becoming just a wonderful way to take in media of all types. And I'm super excited and very much here for it. Jonah, anything you would like to add? Uh, no, I mean that was a that was a great spiel. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I um, it's to the point where like I think that like the algorithm has figured out who I am as a human being because like I have gotten a couple of different ads for magazines, and it's just really weird to like be on Instagram and see an ad for a magazine and just be like, "Ooh, that looks so good! I don't even surf and I want it." <laughs> So at least this one is one that's like, oh, actually germane to my current <laughs> physical interests. <laughs> so I'm excited to get my issues. I'm excited to read. I'm excited to learn. It's going to be incredible. So again, uh, that's movie.com slash magazine to subscribe to the magazine now for just $40 a year for two beautiful issues that will find you wherever you are. And movie.com slash film stage for a free 30-day trial subscription. So check all that out. And as I said, we are also brought to uh, you, the listeners, by people like you, our Patreon patrons, our Patreon patrons over at patreon.com slash the film stage show. Uh, for as little as $1 an episode, you can become part of this exclusive club in access to our Slack channel, 
our own personal continental. Um, or you can talk about anything. You can talk about a whole bunch of stuff. They talked about so much stuff over the last couple of days. Uh, I don't even know what they're talking about over there. I just didn't have the time to look at it. And every time I opened it up, there were another 40 messages. So I'm actually looking forward tonight after we are done recording to going on there, seeing what people thought about John Wick and then shouting at them if they were wrong um, and shouting at them in a different way if they were correct. So if you would like to become a patron and help us produce these episodes, if you find that you get any joy that is equal to $1 an episode from us, go to <laughs> patreon.com slash the film stage show to give us your money today. Um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, usual stuff. Twitter.com slash film stage, Facebook, the film stage, emails, podcast, the film There's so many ways to find us. Slack is the easiest. Yeah, Slack's definitely the easiest. <laughs> Join us on Slack. It'll take you a while to figure out all the in-jokes, but once you get them, oh, buddy, are you going to love it. <laughs> but that's, that's that. Uh, unless anyone else has any like crazy thing they feel like they need to talk about, I feel like we can get into our review of John Wick Chapter 4. Uh, let's get into it. I do have to say, just up front again, I am I'm still blown away by the nonsensicality of the John Wick titles because it was john wick, yeah. john wick chapter two then john wick parabellum and I, or john wick chapter three parabellum and i was like oh we're getting subtitles now and then it's just back to john wick chapter four so apparently like there's just it's almost time. like they didn't have a plan <laughs> right it's like the chapters were cool it's like ooh, it's a chapter two and then it was just like parabellum and it's like oh we got subtitles now <sighs> i so i was really kind of hoping this one would go like all in john wick Chapter four, some phrase in Latin, and then like a subtitle like they used to give to novels where it would be like being the exploits of Jonathan Wick in like, you know, 14 <laughs> different cities across 12 different continents or whatever. <sighs> did um did two and four, I don't, did they ever have a working title or something that just I, got casually tossed around, tossed around and then like scraps? I have no idea. That's actually a great question, but it, it feels like. Like, how could they not? Like, how could, why would they just yeah. suddenly give Parabellum and then, and then not do this? I can't, I can't, if anyone knows, please reach out. Cause this is actually something that's been blowing my freaking mind. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll look it up while Bill's talking. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's, uh, that's all I just had to say about that. Anyway, here is the trailer for John Wick chapter four. Have you given any thought to where this ends? The table will never stop. You know this. No one, not even you, can kill everyone. All right, that is part of the trailer for John Wick chapter four i am going to be completely honest i have no idea how to summarize this movie <laughs> um i even looking at the the imdb uh breakdown it says john wick uncovers a path to defeating the high table but before he can earn his freedom wick must face off against a new enemy with powerful alliances across the globe and forces that turn old friends into foes like like, yeah, I guess so. But uh, to, to like, you know, allow myself a preamble that involves my own experience. 
I was sitting in the theater. The trailers were going on. I was so excited. And then the second that like it was like, you know, our future presentation, I was like, oh, yeah, John Wick, John Wick. What the fuck happened in the last movie? And it occurred to me that I had literally no idea where we left off the last time and what the stakes were. I remembered like scenes and set pieces and ideas. But I was like, oh, I really 100% should have rewatched that movie. Um, (laughs) And it didn't spoil my enjoyment at all (laughs) that I couldn't remember anything um, in terms of plot. Uh, I I know that we'll get into it. The, the you know we are all now aware of the, like the strange Byzantine mythology in this movie, and so I'm just here to tell you that if you feel like you're lost and don't remember, don't worry about it. It's totally fine. So let's get into our basic nutshell thoughts before we get into spoilers and such. And we begin with Jonah, our guest. What are your thoughts on John Wick Chapter Four? Yeah. Um, well. So first off, I want to say one thing I super appreciated about this movie, and it's obviously been much remarked upon, but I mean, just shining the spotlight on all these sort of martial arts legends, uh, sort of past and present. I mean, like Donnie Yen, Hiroki Sonata, and then Scott Atkins finally sort of getting more uh, mainstream recognition. And then Marco Zoror as well, the the guy who plays like the head, the marquee's head, uh, like bodyguard henchman guy. Um, who actually yeah. got more screen time than I anticipated. And I thought that was nice. Uh, he was kind of there to the end, and I thought that was cool. Um, so I, I really like that aspect. Um, the problem for me, it was just, it felt too uh, bloated and repetitive uh, for me, um, I, both like within its fight scenes and between them. Um, I think uh, what, one thing was, there were just these like scenes of, and I guess it sort of depends on, it might not be my speed, but maybe yours, but I found a lot of the sort of slow, like relish that they sort of give these conversation scenes to be kind of uninteresting because like, I just found that they kept sort of repeating the same sentiments over and over again. And I don't know if they're trying to drum up like a sense of grandeur or something um, like with the Scott Atkins scene, for example, and they're like playing cards on the table or in front of it at the art museum, for example, talking about the duel. Um, it just those scenes like dragged on for me and it made me sort of wonder what this could have been like as a two hour film rather than like one that's almost three. Um, so that was one issue I personally had with it. Um, I know not many feel this way necessarily. Um, another thing is, um, is the I found the so I appreciate the fight choreography, obviously, in these movies, but. I think one thing I really liked about three was the way it sort of spiced things up a little bit, like with the antique knife shop like fight. So it's not all, all oh, guns, yeah. not this. Yeah. So like not the same kind of like, you know, but headshots, chest shots, you know, and I guess like from a sort of, you know, it's all movie violence. So it's all stylized, obviously. But I feel like if you were to project yourselves into John Wick's shoes in the movie world, I guess. Tactically, it makes sense. Like if you're if headshot is the quickest way to kill someone, you just keep doing that <laughs> because it's a it's a formula that works. Um, so, but unfortunately for me, it got kind of kind of repetitive, especially since the action scenes are really long. Um, the parts where I liked best are these sort of uh, where there's like a bit of freshness. I mean, the obvious one being the much remarked upon the the God's eye view sort of uh, the shootout, and then 
I like the, I mean, the nunchucks part, I was kind of mixed on, but I liked when he sort of like wore it like a scarf <laughs> as he's yeah. like reloading his gun and stuff. Yeah, that was like a that little gesture I thought was like a bit of freshness that I thought John Wick 3 had a lot of actually, but this one kind of, for me, dialed it back down, kind of back to basics gunplay, which I think maybe, you know, people who are like really purists of the original might like that. But for me, I kind of missed the sort of freshness. Um yeah, uh, I guess sort of going back quick briefly to the bloated point, I think I, I like the last stretch of it where he's just sort of like gunning across Paris trying to make the duel before Don. I actually think that could have been the bulk of the movie, I think, that like where it's just this sort of just to make it across a single city and like people are trying to just like attack him the whole way through. I, I, I like the I feel like that could have been the whole movie, actually, or at least most of it. Mm-hmm. But again, that's my personal preference. Um, yeah. So that's just my general thoughts man i just have so much that i want to respond to and just jump right in. but <laughs> no, no I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hold i'm gonna hold myself and they're gonna stick with bill graham what are your overall thoughts on this movie um i really enjoyed this uh i knew going in it was going to be three hours and so i was kind of bracing myself um i think the issue that anyone could kind of bring to this is its obvious length um but i do think that the the way that they just keep upping the ante in terms of the fights, in terms of whatever it may be, um, the flourishes and things like that. I think it, it just really, really works. I don't think that this film franchise at this point, it, it's almost struggling under its own mythology at this point. Um, I still think it's interesting. I still think it's a lot of fun, but there's a lot of, you know, it'd be really convenient if he could get out of this situation by doing something and they kind of write that in. They're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Let's uh, let's have Ian McShane introduce that element that he's got to get out of jail free card, which of course, you know, he doesn't because he shoots the shit out of a lot of people to get out of jail. Um, But you know, that being said, I think it's starting to get unwieldy in terms of its own mythology, which is fine, right? This whole film franchise, it started with like, you know, minimal means. Uh, I think it started in 2014. It was, you know, a fun little action film. Um, And then it just grew into this monster. I think uh, I was reading here that one of the initial cuts of this film was 225 minutes because it just, there's so much world building and so much you know, characters and things like that going on that it just, it, it just weighed down its own runtime. And it's like, yeah, cause y- y'all have, you know, kind of played it by ear. Like you, you keep adding new chapters, you know, I mean, we, we kind of joked at the beginning of like, what the hell is this film franchise even like titled? What, what is the subtitles going on here? And that's fine. Like I, I can perfectly accept that because one of my favorite franchises is star Wars, which <laughs> you watch the first <laughs> film and you watch the second and you're like, what the fuck's going on here? You know, I mean, it, it, it just is what it is. So I can, I can roll with those punches, but I do think it's, it's starting to kind of weigh it down just a touch. Um, that being said, this film really just kind of, it, it doesn't up the stakes. I don't think 
I still don't think that anything is going to best that knife sequence that Jonah was referencing in, in part three. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just so brutal and so fascinating to watch. And, you know, to realize that, like, you know, we see gun gun foo all throughout this franchise and things like that. I think it popularized that. Um, but to understand that like he's throwing knives at people that aren't actually knives right like like that would be that that would be uh you know stunt choreography 101 like like a big no no please right? don't yeah so, please don't throw an actual knife at the stunt people we only have some yeah them. yeah so um it's interesting to think that like they they set that up to where i'm going to throw pretend knives at you Right. And I don't I, I I haven't gotten around to actually watching the the back scenes or the you know behind the scenes choreography of that sequence. But that's one of those where you're just like, holy shit, like they had to do that in camera, react to it, things that aren't actually there. You know, it just takes a lot, a lot of choreography to nail that kind of sequence and that kind of stuff. And they pulled it off brilliantly in that. This one, they have some inventiveness. They have some fun. I don't think it it ever will reach that level. Um, but boy, it really tries, and boy, it gets really close at times. Um, I don't want to ruin anything. Obviously, we're in our kind of you know pre spoiler, just kind of talking about it loosely at this point. But um, there is you know a, a great sequence around the Arc de Triumph um, that. I think it's interesting because you obviously know that a lot of that is CGI, but they keep kind of showcasing, nope, this car is real. And nope, this car is real. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. So they obviously know what they're kind of dealing with and their own limitations. And they're like, yeah, we're going to play with that a little bit. Um, And, you know, Chad Stahelski is just, he is very smart about the way that he approaches these films. Um, you know, and yes, Donnie Yen seeing him on screen is just, you know, I, I don't know why he keeps playing blind people. Um, that's, that's <laughs> not, not super great. Um, but that being said, I loved, loved his character and loved seeing him on screen. I loved Hiroyuki Sonata like having having this backstory with him I love Scott Adkins if you don't know who who Scott Adkins is you are you are you know forgiven because he's he's still kind of a little bit underground in terms of mainstream but you will be like who's the guy in the fat suit and yeah go check him out because he's a lot of fun too the the guy sitting next to me who he and i became like best friends over the course of this movie um i've never met (laughs) well it was three hours yeah (laughs) right but like we like every time that one of us would just like say something under our breath like we would i I would turn to him or he would turn to me and like riff on it Uh um so like there was one time where i'm like you know like are you just gonna are you at least gonna give him a fucking doctor and he's like, I know, right? These guys, these motherfuckers must have like the best health insurance. <laughs> like there's always got to be because like so much of their so much of like the the bizarre um, like clandestine, you know, let's make a deal type stuff in this movie is is signed through physical violence. Sure, sure, and sure. So it's just like they've got to always have like a dude off to the side who's like, OK, now that we've like 
solidified the blood pact of knives and like you know butchery let's uh stitch you up so you can go and do the job we just got you to do um but yeah he like the second that scott atkins came on he was like damn scott atkins and i was like i don't know who the fuck scott atkins is (laughs) i was like this means nothing to me yeah yeah you know the the fact that they put him in a fat suit uh, a lot of people were kind of grumbling and it's just like you know what like he's clearly having a lot of fun with this situation and so is everybody else so let's just keep rolling with it but no i i think i think this one it this is the one that should have been a failure and the fact that it's it's pretty much a flying success for me just tells me that this film franchise has a little bit of life left in it um you know they got spin-offs and all this other bullshit happening uh around the franchise but uh as far as the core um you know at, at this point sign me up for 5 and 6 like you know w- let's go so yeah, I am. Um, I really enjoyed this one. I was actually concerned because to- I I don't even remember if this is what I said um, during our review of it. But the third one, I feel like that last action scene, the third one is the one where they introduce like, hey, the suit's bulletproof now, right? Like they were just like. They, they they do that in two, but they really lean into it in three. Right. Because that's the like is. <laughs> so I saw this movie. Not at the distillery, um, because obviously I had to go to a theater. But I watched it during distillery hours. I was like, hey, look, I got to see this movie. This is my only time. Um, So I'm just going to dip out in the middle of the day and I'll come back when it's over. So I came back and there was a couple that was sitting at the bar. And I was like, yeah, I just went and saw John Wick. And the guy is like, I fucking love John Wick, man. When he And then he pretended he pulled like a suit jacket in front of his face. And I was like, yeah, we all now know that the holding the suit jacket up while you're shooting a gun is the John Wick thing. It's crazy how quickly that's become a massive part of this this whole mythology. But during the third movie, there is the end scene at the Continental where he's got the bulletproof suit. And it's these guys who've got – and they kind of make a reappearance in this movie – But they've got, like, a lot of body armor and, like, face masks. And I remember kind of feeling like I'm not super into how many shots it's taking to kill these guys. Um, It just felt – I can't think of a way to say it other than that. It felt heavier and it felt longer and it just wasn't as fun for me. So when those guys showed up in this movie, I was like – Oh no, they're back. But then, you know, I actually quite enjoyed that scene. And then not it's not really a spoiler to say, but like they don't quite so much play into the rest of the action <laughs> scenes, um, which I was happy about. Because there's something about that kind of bruisery that I just couldn't handle. And so I was worried that this movie would be a little too much of that and it would it would it would uh drag a little more. But I actually I really enjoyed it. Um, I will agree that you probably could have structured this movie to just be the last act and it would have been fine. I will also agree that every once in a while they're like, well, you know, this rule from the high table is, you know, if we if we all you have to do is do this and that and the other thing. And I'm just like, yeah, this is you just you're making up a story for your kids at bedtime. And you're like, and then the princess remembered that the frog could grant wishes, too. 
And all she had to do was make him pasta. And then she did, and he gave her her soul back or whatever. And it's just like, right, right. We just need to get this over with. Um, but I was, I was very into it. I, I did. I we are all just so in love with that knife scene. But I really do love that yeah. knife scene. Um, the knife scene is great. There was a point in this movie where I thought that I saw a bunch of um, spears in the background. And I got excited because I was like, oh, yes, give me those spears. And then they never did anything with the spears. And I was kind of upset. But um, <laughs> but generally, I found this movie to be really great. And I liked the inventiveness of some of the action scenes. Um, yeah, I just I had a lot, a lot of fun with this. And um, I don't know. I feel I, I need to rewatch these because like the first one is great. The second one I also remember liking. The third one, I I feel like that's when I could feel like the bloat happening. But there were still sure. so many great things in it. You know, like the, the knife museum and the motorcycles and the dogs. Halle Berry's dogs are incredible. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that final shootout, like I said, for me was like a little too much. There's like the silent shootout in the subway station. Uh huh. Um, with the with the silencers, yeah, yeah that one's a lot of fun. It's also fun. So like every time, like these movies constantly give me something. Like they're they're just they're awesome. I just I, I am I do kind of wish they'd go like scale it down just like a touch, just a just a wee bit, because it does feel like we might be losing losing track of ourselves a little bit. Yeah, but it's, I, it's like, getting you know, it's told, getting unwieldy. Yeah, I've but I've told every single person that I've talked to, like, fuck, yeah, go see John Wick for. Well, it, I think what's interesting is, you know, we're all kind of saying this feels a little bloated. It feels it feels like it's it's getting a little heavy. But this is the first one that's really kind of tipped towards that three hour run mark run mark. Mm-hmm. And yet I, I don't know about y'all, but I still was like, yeah. Like I wasn't tired by the end. Um, I will no, say I they, was tired. I was tired after walking out of the theater. I right. was just like, like mentally you. exhausted. <laughs> yeah. But I wasn't tired while watching it, which is, which just shows like the remarkable editing and the pacing that, that is present here. And I know a lot of people are going to kind of, shit on this film the whole franchise in general because of how loosely some of these characters are drawn and everything like that but i i do think it's interesting to kind of think like okay you think this is poorly written but there are so many bad movies out there this is not one of those it may not be written as well as some other films that maybe have higher mindsets or whatever but the film is all these films are written fairly well to the point where they sustain action sequence to action sequence, you know, they thread them along and you're just like, yeah, give me more. And you want to stay here. This is, this is a classic like franchise that if it was written worse or whatever if it just wasn't as good i would rewatch scenes and yeah, instead you just, like, every go on YouTube every and be like best yeah of. yeah and instead every time i i want to interact with one of these films in this franchise i watch it i watch the film i don't just sit and watch sequences and it would be very easy to do that 
I do think that like the first movie, like you know, when when people talk about like John Wick, they're like, oh man, when like they're when when um like that just that moment where the guy says like you know you you hit my son, why'd you do that? And he's like, you know, he. he you know, stole John Wick's car and killed his dog. And he just says, oh, and then hangs up. Like, I don't, I feel like we've gotten away from that. You know, mm-hmm. it's become a lot more Baroque. Um, mm-hmm. Even like, you know, that it was the famous like, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. And I don't feel like we get a lot of the, like, you know, I don't know, like rage Keanu. Like in that way, <laughs> I feel <laughs> like it's become a little more operatic. Whereas the first mm-hmm. one at least had like, it, it probably not. More pulp. Yeah. We've gone away yes. from pulp and gone more to opera, which is like fine. But yep, yep. I do kind of miss the pulp a little bit. Like the the Grand Guignol, like, you know, succession level of like, oh, the high table. Like they've re- deployed a Marquise to blah, blah, blah. It's just like, okay, yeah, right. People are trying to kill John Wick. We know what we're here for. Let's. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Um to go back to what Jonas said about the the last the last like set piece, I, when when they, oh crap, this is kind of a spoiler. Are we all cool with going to spoilers? Do we want to talk non spoilery some more, or like, I mean, it's a John Wick movie. I don't know. I don't know how much. Uh, I, yeah, I think I think at this point we, we've kind of said our our say at this point. So all yeah, right, so uh, spoilers we're, we're for jumping into John spoilers. Wick four. Yeah. Um. They when when they do their whole like setting up the duel thing right you know it's like we've gotten this thing you know he's back with his family which is cool they had to (laughs) to burn himself um you know they they do their whole like flipping over cards to see who wins like the the aspects of the duel um i was like okay this is great so like you know it's happening tomorrow like you know we'll just jump to tomorrow morning right (laughs) <laughs> and I looked at my watch and I was like, oh shit, there's like a fucking hour left in this movie. Like how? I was like, this is, and I actually got pre annoyed. I was like, this is it. This is I'm gonna go through another one of these things, like the continental fight, where like, you know, it's a bunch of people in armor, and then not only that, but like he's gotta do the fight with the guy. Like, I really do have this very strong memory of being exhausted by the time he finally gets to the top of the continental and Mm -hmm. i like the good thing was that he also looked exhausted these movies still do a good job of showing at least that this is a physically taxing thing that he's doing even though he seems to continue to fall from greater and greater heights and still be able to stand up but that's fine i'm okay with it it's a little looney tunes but i'm here for it but like i was like oh crap like this movie had been doing so well I was willing to accept the fact that at this point it's basically like a video game. It's like, oh, you know, if you want to challenge the the guy to a duel, first you got to get back in with your family. And to get back in with your family, you got to go kill this boss guy we've come up with for whatever reason. But, like, that was an awesome fight in the club, and so I was okay with it. But I was like, this is it. This is where the problem happens. Uh, but instead, that was, like, my favorite fucking part of the movie. It was so, it was so good. Yeah, every level of that was just great. The like outside the cafe, and then the Arc de Triomphe, and then the stairs. <laughs> it was so good. I like was re-energized by it. I was <laughs> shocked, and yeah, I think a lot. But I think a lot of that was the fact that I like John Wick most when he is laying waste to motherfuckers. I want. 
I want a 40-minute fight scene with 400 bodies, not a 20-minute fight scene with four bodies, you know? <laughs> I need him I need him to be dispatching people so easy that it feels like he's Superman. Well, it's funny though because you were saying that you wanted this franchise to kind of sink back into itself a little bit to to kind of, you know, uh get a little bit smaller, but now you're like, nah. I want the, I want the pulp back. But like even those even even the fight scene in his house in the first movie you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I'd have to go back and see it and to see if this is just my recollection. But my, my recollection is that one of the things that I love most about the John Wick franchise was the brutal efficiency of his death or his killing. You know, I like, you know, that he would like he took those people out, man. Like, yeah, that's how you knew what a fucking badass he was. That and the fact that he busted up the foundation of his house to pull out a chest of gold coins and guns. Um so there's something about that. Like, I think it, it, there's like a ratio of like effort to kill that I need. And I, I think that that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. No, I totally thoughts? agree. No, no, no. Um, yeah. What you said about efficiency, I think I said it earlier, I like, I completely respect that. And I think um, to an extent, I do think the sort of the very tactical, precise kills where he like kills every, like each person in like two, two gunshots or less. I think, like that that is really thrilling um but anyway just like if that's yeah like you sort of like you um i think a ratio of effort to kill you know some shorter ones some longer ones there's no like perfect formula but i think varying it up i think makes things more dynamic for me um oh it's just uh this is kind of going back to brian what you said about the when they were like prepping for the duel and there's like an hour left i had the actually opposite reaction i was a little i was like man i was like they're already jumping to the this duel, which doesn't sound like there'd actually be many bullets expended, just two guys shooting at each other. I was like, this is like an hour left. I was like, I was like, are we like, are there no more gunfights? I was like, kind of disappointed. And then, <laughs> and then, and then they introduced the pop point where it's like, oh, he has to make it six hours. And then, you know, under the table, okay, just kill him because we can't actually even make the duel. And I was like, you know, fist pump, like, you know, I was, I was like, let's go. Um, so I was I was excited. I had the opposite reaction as you, but I, I was happy that it turned out that way, where there's actually a, a long stretch of action at the end. Um, I but, do I do love that like the thought process seems to be maybe we'll kill him, or maybe we'll just throw so many bodies and make it so yeah. hard to get there that he just yeah. won't make it. In which case he <laughs> still won't be dead, but at least he won't have won. Like, because their whole thing is like, yeah, if you don't if you're not at the church on time. You know, you will be, you know, killed instantly or it's a forfeit, whatever. And it's just like, right, right. But like, you're aware that that still involves you killing him against his will, which has not historically gone well for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was that was awesome. What, what did what did the, 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 the DJ also? I liked that. This is another thing. Like, again, if the movie had literally just been like this, like cool hip DJ you know, telling like, you know, doing like the Warriors thing of like, hey, John Wick's at this place now. Like, yeah, <laughs> get, 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 getting bump. Did she call them bumpers? I'm not sure. I don't remember. <laughs> Damn. Jonah, do you know what the radio DJ was saying? I don't remember. Um, no, by 100%. Like, honestly, I was like, I'm thinking I would have liked this movie more if it was like 90 minutes. <laughs> like, kind of like a, like a, Return to the first one in that way, but maybe with some of the opera that you mentioned in the set pieces. But 
Yeah, with that DJ kind of just setting the tone, and then like he's just booking it across <laughs> Paris to the duel. Uh, yeah, and that, she's that's just, just like, yeah. hey, like you know, this team didn't do it. Who's gonna, you know, he's on his way to the Arc de Triomphe, and I don't know how she knows any of this shit. It didn't really yeah. matter to me. <laughs> I also loved that the call signs are W U X I A. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I did not. I did not notice that actually. Oh my! I I was <laughs> like, I. <laughs> Well, she says the call sign, and I'm just like, oh, it's got it's gotta be a joke. Why would they do the thing? And I was like, W, that's too first of all, it's too many call letters. Like, that's not what radio stations do. I don't know why I think that the the the, the Citadel or whatever <laughs> the hell is like, yeah, guys, yeah. guys, it's gotta be four letters. We and then I was like, W you like, oh, it's Wusha. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, sure. Then that's yeah. 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 <laughs> no, and then like I said, that that whole that whole thing. I don't know. I think it. I, again, I like this movie. I think that this movie. I think if I, if you said to me, chapter four or chapter three, oh fuck, no, because to see, this is the thing. Like even even though I'm like, I don't know, chapter three, I got kind of like tired towards the end. But like, I don't know if I want to give up the knives or the dogs. Like, well, I, and it's funny that you keep saying that because he he also has that very famous showdown in that glass uh, sector of the continental. Um, with, you know, the guys from the raid. And I, I think, I think that sequence is just so, so good. And obviously that's where the sushi chef and him fight too, right? That is where the sushi chef and him fight. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think the, the fight with, with those two guys from the raid is just, that is, that is when this film franchise for me, you know, it was, it was very hyped that they were going to be, you know, a, a set piece or, or, you know, bad guys in the film. And I was like, holy shit, they're, they're actually like, doing it they're they're not only just like paying attention but they're they're getting the guys that you would just be like what about this guy you know and now that they have you know have him already fight against donnie yin at this point and scott atkins and you know it's just like holy shit who's who's next you know um and i'm i'm curious to see if if they do end up getting someone of of those kind of quality uh you know that are out there i don't i don't really know who is left um i'm i'm thinking about ong bok guy um oh yeah tony tony jaw tony jaw um but you know at, at this point they're they're kind of uh they're running out of the, I mean, you know, there there's a laundry list of people that they could be, but I don't I don't think you grab somebody like a Jean-Claude Van Damme or, you know, even if I don't know if, if Jean-Claude is in fighting shape at this point in his life either. And and that's the other thing. We have to give props to Keanu because as much as, you know, there are some stunt double work being, you know, happening here. He is very much a part of this project and, you know, very much. And he is, I believe, turning 59 this year. Man, fuck him. What? (laughs) Yeah. I knew that he was. This is like when you find out how old Samuel Samuel L. Jackson is. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's wild. So. Yeah, let me let me double check that real quick. Samuel Jackson uh, yeah, is he's 78 four years old. That's insane. Yeah, Keanu will turn 59 in September of this year. 
That's, That's like, hinting. I gotta start exercising more immediately, but that does give me hope. You know, like if it's like when you, you got a like little runtime, him and Tom Cruise, you're just like, yeah, if I just started taking like a modicum of care of myself, like you could, you could look pretty good for a while. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. that's the other thing that, you know, and again, it's a movie. You shouldn't base your conception of like what you can do or should be able to do on a movie. But I fucking hobbled myself, twisted my ankle so bad I basically couldn't walk for three days because I stepped on a, a sweet gum ball that was on my front sidewalk. Like, mm-hmm. and the, it's like, <laughs> and then I watched this movie and I'm like, man, fuck this. Like, you know, that, that, uh, that, um, that stunt guy threw himself down an escalator and probably stood up and like felt fine. And meanwhile, I stepped on a tree nut the wrong way and destroyed my life <laughs> for a couple days. It still hurts a little bit. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. I think the other thing that's a lot of fun in this film in particular, and I know they, they kind of threw Lance Reddick into it last, last time, RIP, by the way. Um, I know they threw him into that final fight sequence in uh, the continental. Um, But this one really kind of allows some other people to kind of take center stage. And I was really impressed by that. Everyone in Osaka Uh, was incredible. Yeah, the Hiroyuki Sonata and Donnie Yen kind of, you know, showdown was fantastic. It's great to see those two uh, on the screen at the same time. It was amazing. Yes, I was about to call her out. She is a newcomer. She uh, I don't think she has very many acting roles to this point, Um, but they specifically sought her out because of her dance background, not because of her martial arts background. Um, yeah, and just basically were like, cool, for her we'll train you. Yeah. Yeah. And she has some of the best sequences in this entire film, to, to my eyes. There is one sequence where she continues to use small blades to try and kill this guy and has to literally climb up his back while stabbing him crawling up an escalator yes it is insane it is so brutal so violent and at the same time it what this franchise does to me is it is so brutal and so violent and so over the top that i just sit in the theater or wherever i'm watching it and laugh like it, it, yeah. it brings me joy to see how absurd and how like ridiculous all of this stuff is. And to also know that like they're thoughtful about like how many hits it would actually take to kill somebody. And, you know, all of this other stuff, you know, it's it's famous for people actually like watching how many times he reloads, right? Like he's not going to shoot more than what he actually has in his, in his clip and all of this other stuff, you know, uh, you know, imaginary uh, uh, suit, uh, you know, body armor suit uh, aside for the most part, this, the series is kind of rooted in this reality, this harsh reality of like what actually happens you know, in, in all of these situations, but yeah, to see her just like climb up this guy's back was just, 
it just made me laugh. And and that's what I appreciate about this, this series so much is that it's just so over the top and so absurd. It reminds me a lot, speaking of The Raid, I did not particularly enjoy The Raid 2. And that was a, a follow-up to a very lean and mean uh, film that was a surprise hit. And the follow-up was like, twice as long. I think it was close to three hours as well. And I remember at some point just being a confused because they had, uh, I think twins in that film. And I was like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, <laughs> like clearly you're starting to run out of stunt men at this point when you have twins and you're like, Hey, look, it's an, it's another guy that looks just like this other guy. It's like, can, can we not find another martial artist out there? Like, what the fuck are we doing? Why, why do we have to have, because, you know, and that was confusing to me for a little while, but also I remember there were some fight sequences that went on so long that I got tired in the raid two, And I was surprised by that. And this film never really hits that. It, it, it always hashes out right before, you know, it goes broke basically. Mm -hmm. It's it's always right on that edge. And, you know, I think that Arc de Triumph sequence is one of those where it goes on for a good 10 minutes. Oh, my God. And I was I was watching that. I was just like, how are people still driving? <laughs> like, what? Yes. <laughs> so yes. insane. Also, just like like I don't. It's it, people joke about it, but it's true. Like, how many fucking murderers are there in the John Wick universe? Sure. And how, sure. And they everybody like the, else is just going about their life like like that that dance be, sequences yeah it must just be yeah. like i we need more information about the universe of john wick but it must just be that like people accept it they're just like yeah like mm -hmm. you know i would say like a good 15 percent of the population is an assassin but if you just keep your head down usually it's not for you it's there's mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. a lot of organized crime blah 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 but if i just need to go to subway if I just keep my head down, I'm going to get that 12 inch pretty soon and I'll be fine. Um, <laughs> Jonah, what about what do you what do you think in terms of like have any of have any of the fight scenes in any of these movies ever made you tired or like given you that? Because like apparently Bill and I both have felt that or you felt that for the raid, not for any of these. But I felt this for Correct. the third one. But Jonah, have um, you ever had any issues like with that well, aspect of these movies? Because I feel like. Yeah, honestly, it's interesting, like what Bill said about Raid 2. And about those two movies, by the way, Raid and Raid 2, I keep flip-flopping on which I like better. Um, I'm actually more pro Raid 2 at the moment, and Raid wow. 2 actually didn't tire me out. But, yeah, this movie actually did a bit. I mean, not I wasn't tired. It was more just like it got repetitive for me. So I was physically okay, I suppose. But I was kind of... I, I wanted a little more of like you know, variety, I guess, in, in the choreography um, a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, not much to say about that. Although I just want to go back real quick to, to Bill's comment about the dancer background. I thought it was interesting because do you guys know that Scott Atkins is this like YouTube channel uh, called The Art of Action? No, uh, I, I haven't because, watched it. Yeah, I've only I've only seen a couple episodes, but he like talked with Chas the Helsky at one point and then they were talking about making a uh, Speed Racer and Chance Helsky is like working behind the scenes on that. Um, and the pop the the, the pop star Rain is in Speed Racer. Mm -hmm. and he has like choreography background, and I think that's actually the reason they like while shooting Speed Racer they went and made Ninja Assassin. 
uh, with yep. him. Um, and then uh, along with that, I was like thinking also about how like Michelle Yeoh, for example, was like a dancer trained before sure. she went into action film. So I thought that was like a cool crossover. And now it's like, maybe, like, can you think of like off the top of your head, like any other dancer trained action stars that you think uh, that that you've felt like have sort of brought their your choreographic background to like the action genre in a way that's like kind of compelling or has been successful. I, uh, you know, I can't think, I know that I've heard of this and I know <laughs> that like people talk about how when you get down to it, like action choreography is dancing, you know, it's rhythm and it's steps. And when you see like, you know, the behind the scenes thing where it's like, okay. And block, block, counter, sweep, jump. Like, you know, it's, you are like, going through that i and i i feel like i want to say like yeah totally there have definitely been dancers who've done things like that but now i can't yeah i can't think of any off the top of my head which is kind of annoying i i keep for whatever I, I, reason I, knew, I keep thinking of uh fucking what's his face uh, uh not scorsese spielberg's uh <laughs> spielberg's west side story uh the fight over the gun and I'm just mm. like, you know, those two guys dancing oh, yeah. the shit out of that scene as they were fighting. Like, you know, and it, and it makes sense, even though I don't like the fact that that's what they turned Keep It Cool Boy into and generally dislike that movie, even though I like <laughs> Peck's uh, choreography. Um, but yeah, no, I. Shit. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think if anyone knows, uh, please email us uh, podcastfilmstage.com or tweet at us because yeah. I, 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 I swear to God, this has got to be a thing. Yeah, I just remember Patrick Swayze was the dancer. Oh, okay. And then he was in Roadhouse. <laughs> in I Break, love so. it. So and I that's the thing, but like those are those things. Like it's it's sort of like the thing of like you know we we like ba- uh, football players take ballet. You know, it's it's <laughs> understanding the ways that you can use your body that yeah. give you something over your opponent, and so like that level of control. And for I feel like it would be easier for a dancer to learn fight choreography than like a bodybuilder you know Mm -hmm. yeah well i i think i think one one good example is the kid that plays spider-man right now um he had a dance background and that was one of the reasons that they kind of landed on him was because they were like oh he will look and feel agile and like all of the stuff that we kind of need him to be on the side and also he's a good actor right and they were like cool win-win Right. So he can pull off the physicality of it, but also pull off, you know, uh, the acting of it as well. So that's another, you know, small, small one, you know, um, but, you know, he, he's got that dance background for sure. Um, especially if you've ever seen his uh, his. Uh, is it Umbrella? Yeah. Umbrella by Rihanna. Oh, his, yeah. His, yeah, yeah. his yeah. lip sync thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah that, that kid can dance um very clearly um yeah uh i do want to bring up something that uh i i'm fascinated that y'all haven't really brought up that much um which i feel like a lot of people are going to come out of this kind of talking about and that is the dragon's breath sequence um oh my god that fucking sequence ruled so hard (laughs) yes i mean well Um, well, josh or josh Jonah. <laughs> Jonah. Right. I, um, I'm still thinking. I So I said Peck earlier because I couldn't remember the full name of the choreographer for um, West Side Story. But I know mm-hmm. that there is a Josh Peck, but I'm pretty sure he's an actor. 
And yeah, I the, think I've heard that name. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, but so, of course, like, I went to J names and my mind was like, we still have to say Josh, don't we? But anyway, Jonah, you brought up the God's Eye, right? <laughs> That's the Dragon's Breath scene. That, yeah. that incredible, yeah. just long take of just fucking awesome carnage. Yeah. yeah. So it has yeah. been brought up in a way, but remember, please yeah. go on. Yeah, I, I want to say a couple of things. Uh, the Dragon's Breath first came to me um, via Call of Duty. Um, they had a patch a couple of years ago, and they added this fucking crazy ass shotgun shell. Um, I say addition. I've used it in Resident Evil. <laughs> nice, um, and it. It basically broke the game for a little while. They had to like tune it down and stuff like that because it literally does exactly what it does in this film. It basically lights people on fire and it is so overpowered and so ridiculous in a small confined space that it's just like, oh, well, what the fuck? And, you know, you would you would be like shooting your like normal like smg or or assault rifle or whatever and all of a sudden you would come around a corner and someone would just drag a breath you in the face and you'd be like well i had body armor and <laughs> now i don't and now i'm on fire and now i'm dead this sucks and also it looks amazing and so you're just like you just lit me on fire you motherfucker and you're just like okay well now i gotta like unlock this weapon so I can run around and do the same thing to everybody else. Right. And piss them off. So I ran across it in that game and, uh, I did not expect to ever see this in live action. Um, I, I think what's interesting is I don't know how I, I haven't watched any behind the scenes stuff on this yet. Um, I do have one pulled up on, uh, my phone about, uh, like an article about the, the dragon's breast sequence. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm hoping it kind of goes into that, but obviously they're not, um, shooting real dra dragon's breath, uh, you know, rounds that would be absolutely insane. But, I think what's so interesting about that sequence is it is so beautiful and so shocking in like what it is. And again, they, they play with it just enough, right. Where it doesn't get old. It, it just, it continues to be fun because for a lot of people, they're just like, Oh, well, this thing's not real folks. I got news for you. It's very real. It's a very real thing. I don't know how the Geneva Convention feels about it, but it's a very real thing. Um, and it is scary and frightening. And yes, it, so it does I, everything like my, this. So. My, I might just be pulling this out of my ass. My recollection is that like incendiary shotguns are for like firefighters to set controlled burns. Um, it may not this one in particular, I don't think has that kind of, uh, because it's so like wild and crazy, but yes, I have heard that like some, some incendiary rounds have, have that kind of aspect to it, hmm. but yeah, I don't think, uh, something called dragon's breath, which is it's literal name um yeah as as uh any any usefulness except for being really pretty and potentially really frightening in an actual firefight so yeah i'm 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 just you know dragon's breath is a special type of incendiary effect round for 12 gauge shotguns 
Magnesium pellets and shards. When the round is fired, sparks and flames can shoot out about 100 feet. You know, that's what Wikipedia is saying. But, like, why would you ever hurt? Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's like I said, the, the Geneva Convention is just like, no, please, please well, don't. Because, yeah, you're not supposed things. to, like, use white phosphorus as a as mm-hmm. a, a an ammunition either. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, yeah. they are yeah. banned by like, the... Like I said. But so, like, what's the point of it? Like, that's is it just cool? Know. Like, if yeah, someone this is this is cool. This is Ian. This is Ian Malcolm. You know, in Jurassic Park, going, you, your scientists were so convinced, you know, to to do it, you didn't think about why. You know, it's like okay. <laughs> I'm just I've just googled incendiary shotgun shells. Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, um, incendiary bullets are intended to ignite flammable materials such as gasoline. That doesn't help mm-hmm. at all. That's like, yeah, again, it still feels it's, unnecessary. And again, I am a gun owner. I used to shoot guns competitively. I am not like, oh, like we shouldn't have guns. But the incendiary rounds, that just doesn't seem practicable in any way whatsoever. Unless you're John Wick, in which case it's fucking awesome. Yes. John, was there any, is- any more that you had wanted to say about that scene? I know since you brought it up, you know. Clearly um, made an impression. Yeah, I mean, probably my for me the most probably the most exhilarating part of the movie was when that scene started. So the camera was maybe like a little bit high angle, and then like arcs around. I'm like, okay, this is, might be a long take that's being set up, and then it just keeps rising. And then mm-hmm. at some point, you realize what they're going for, and the concept clicks into place. And for me, that was like my favorite, probably one of my favorite moments in the movie. I was like, oh, this is this is new actually, because you know, obviously they've done longer shot longer takes before in the series already but when they kind of rose past a certain point and then the cameras start pointing down and then drifting laterally and i was like oh this is this is pretty new um mm-hmm. yeah i don't and bill mentioned he was like had an interview like sort of about this scene i, I read one with where stahelski talked with slash film i don't know if that's the one you had pulled up but I like that he described the like because you're like kind of high up the the bodies look more it's like the more abstracted in some ways and so he was like mm-hmm. describing the muzzle splash as like like etch a sketch and I thought that was a really cool description because sort of like just like uh, like bursts of like color and line just like going mm-hmm. out uh, across so and and I think Bill mentioned this too it's just like really beautiful to look at so even though it goes on for a while you're like. You know, you're 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 sort of still invested in in the bodies and then like the you know the risk of being shot and shooting people, but it's like just as a sort of almost like a pictorial, like graphic experience. I think it was like really, really nice. I guess I, I like just sort of sitting with it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's yeah, it's probably it's my favorite scene in the film. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it was it was really incredible. Like it, that was. You know, you watch a movie like this and you're like, I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to surprise me, but I think I'll enjoy it. And then that scene happens and I like my jaw was on the floor and I was as giddy as a schoolboy. I was like this (laughs) fucking rules because he'll like shoot someone. And if he doesn't die immediately, the guy would like run through three other rooms and then come back at some point like (laughs) and you could see him in the corner of the screen. And it's just like it's that level of attention to detail and also like. Yeah, for all like the faceless baseball cap and hoodie wearing guys, there's not a lot of respect. But you can tell that like for a lot of these people, there is a certain level of like, you know, it's like that old like kind of, I'm going to use this incorrectly, but like Bushido, like warrior's way kind of like respect of your enemy. And we get a lot of that with Donnie Yen's character 
um, <laughs> who gets his own little, uh, you know, kill Bill moment when um, he tells the daughter of a man he just killed, like, I'll be waiting for you. Like, he gets yeah. it. He knows how this goes. Yeah. Um, it's great. I also, like, I can't say enough great things about Donnie Yen in this movie. I think his performance mm. is fantastic. I love, I don't know. I feel like, you know, in terms of, like, blind swordsman stuff, like, this is the best because there's a certain level of, like, swinging carelessness to it. Like, you know, a lot of times when they have like, Ooh, this blind guy can fight. He's like, so perfect. You know, like, like think about Ben Affleck as as daredevil. It's like not a single wrong move. Everything's good. And Donnie Yen, when he just reaches for an envelope on a tray, hits the bottom of the tray with the back of his hand and then just grabs the envelope. Like so many times he just like whacks something with his staff and is like, all right, there that is. All right. I figured it out. He's and it's and it's because, you know, I think he's I I don't know the best way to put this, but like newly ish blind. Like he at some point during the the movie, you know, he's like, you know, I didn't give them they didn't take my eyes. I like gave them up or, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, so like clearly he used to be sighted and now he is not. And yeah, I just feel like there's a part of him where it's like there's still some stutter steps, but also he's so fucking badass that it doesn't matter. He's pretty sure he'll be able to deal. Mm-hmm. It's so great. Yeah, it, 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 I I love the sequence in the kitchen with him in particular um, because he uses these kind of like doorbell sensors almost where they kind of make noise as soon as someone crosses the sensor. And, you know, as soon as that happens, they're just getting fucked up and it's delightful because you're like, Oh, this is a delightful little, Oh my God, they're getting massacred. Like as soon as that little chime happens, he knows exactly where they are and everything like that. Um, And, you know, that's, that's such a clever way of like, utilizing that sequence to have some fun with it, but also to kind of tell that story, right? He's very inventive. He's very creative. Um, he will use his surroundings as, as kind of benefit, but yes, it, it, during that sequence in, in particular, he is supposed to be like the guy that they hired to track down and kill John wick. And so mm-hmm. he's obviously pinned as this very formidable fighter and everything like that. And yet he is a little sloppy in that sequence. He is also retired, right? So that's part of it as well. Um, but you know, he he's not picture perfect. He he struggles just a, just enough that you're like, oh yeah, he, you know, if he had to face someone that was that was his equal, uh, his sightlessness might be his undoing, right? Um but in in those sequences, he's he's able to kind of you know uh, regain the the high ground almost um, in a lot of ways. Um. So we we all love Donnie Yen, obviously. Uh, Jonah, I'm curious. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on uh, Mr. Nobody, the tracker? Um. Yes, actually. Uh, well, I mean, it's a you know a, yet another dog. Um, obviously, um, it's a tie back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of wish, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he'll appear in the spinoffs. Um, but I did like, like in the, in the finale when he's finally like not just tracking, but you know, 
takes out a shotgun, you know, he flips his backpack around. So it's like this bulletproof vest and he's exchanging fire. Yeah. I like that. His kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but that moment when he like flips his backpack forward, I I was like pretty thrilling for me. It was like this kind of, I don't know. He he has like a tactical outdoorsy vibe, right? So like very Mm -hmm. hands-on and then like very mobile uh, with his dog and everything in a way that kind of, factored into how he fought i feel like how, and i, I kind of wish there was a little more of him that side of him um he was kind of more of a mysterious sort of like figure shadowing everybody um oh and this is not <laughs> just the, the scene where he like pulls his hand <laughs> out like out from the knife do you remember yeah <laughs> that's what me yeah, and the guy was, next to me were talking about when i was no, like I was are you watching. gonna are you gonna get him a doctor at least like no, that, that was my, my wife couldn't handle that. <laughs> she, I, she was like exclaimed out loud, just covered her eyes, and she was like, no way. <laughs> so I'm ta- I, I assume then that, you know, spoilers for this movie, I guess, but that your wife has not seen the movie Men. I actually, I have not either, but there's a um, point. I assume there's, there's something like, like this. Hand, hand trauma. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, actually, no, this is one of the, I'm now thinking back to the, again, the knife fight from John Wick 3, but I was thinking about when I watched that in theaters, do you remember the scene where they like really slowly stabs the guy in the eye? Oh, oh my God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, and then like, and then, yeah, right afterward, like, lobs the axe to kill the last dude. I remember that was like a wild moment. That's like a design to make the crowd go crazy. It's just like an insane, like, The, the slow stab punch. is yeah. one of my least <laughs> favorite things. Like, I still... <laughs> Think about that that st- slow stabbing in um fucking Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah. And I just get so I, like I hate that. Like I it's like <laughs> I also saw that when I was quite young, so I feel like I'm just traumatized. Probably yeah, that me, was man. that was a hard that was a hard scene to watch. Fucking Spielberg, man. Um, yeah i I wasn't sure what to think about Mister Nobody. Primarily, he I was just hard to kind of understand what he was doing but towards the end i liked him like once i think once he (laughs) i think and i think that what's kind of fun to me about this movie we've talked mainly about the action but the story is interesting and it's actually kind of laid out by scott adsit's character where he's like here's three guys who want to get out one wants to you know serve his way out one wants to buy his way out and one wants to kill his way out and you do realize that like these are people who are just like they're, they're they're like they just can't do this anymore. And they're all hoping to leverage the situation in their favor. And John Wick saves all of them. One through ensuring that he doesn't have to like break, like, you know, he, what am I trying to say for one of them? He is offering him a way out by basically helping him to pay off his debt um, through service in like a sneaky way. Right. Um, the other one, he just shows like mercy towards and like, you know, kind of gives a glimpse of, you know, what what a lot of people in this movie say, which is there are bonds that go beyond the weird, archaic, gold plated nonsense that we're doing here. Um, what is it? It's it's um, it's his it's it's his friend in Osaka whose name I can't remember right now, who says like friendship matters very little when it's easy. You know, like Hiroyuki Sonata. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's that concept of like, look, like we're all a part of this system and everything, but it's it's the things that we do that are not driven by the system that like truly like make us. And so it's great that John is able to help these two other people get out 
in the uh in the 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 course of actually trying to free himself from all of his obligations as well mm-hmm. yeah and uh, and even even um and he saves McShane as well oh yeah yeah Ian McShane gets his uh his, his uh continental back mm-hmm. he's reinstated we do lose sharon though yeah i was i was really sad when that happened because it's one of those things where like when a when an actor dies and you're kind of like you know oh his like last whatever like what's that going to be like and I'm I don't know that this is the last thing we'll see him in, it's possible he had other stuff film that's coming out, but it was that kind of thing where I'm like oh I'm surprised they they let him die I assume they probably killed him in this movie before he passed in real life, but it is one yes. of those things where you sort of expect that they're going to be like maybe we should change it so that he like gets to go and like start a bed and breakfast. <laughs> it was because like you know everyone in the movie theater i think knew at least the guy next to me he said ah oh, rest in peace and i was like i know right that's really sad and then he and i again my best friend who was sitting next to me um <laughs> was was like i can't believe they killed him like that's i ah oh, man i loved him i was like i know that's fucked up <laughs> how did this happen uh-huh Ugh, so sad and what did we think about uh bill Skarsgård? I liked him. He's he he did what he needed to do. He's good at playing a, a bad guy that you don't want to succeed. Yeah, I sorry. agree. <laughs> I think I think he was a lot of fun, and he really kind of plays up that character and how kind of over the top he is. Um, he is. Uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, earlier about this um, film, and someone was saying that he is possibly the most well dressed person in any film ever. <laughs> and it was just like, yep. Uh, a, a beautiful Frenchman who is played by someone named Bill Skarsgård. Like, huh? What? Okay, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I know. I was like, why'd they make him French? Wasn't he already like foreign enough? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, exactly. yeah his, I mean, his, his tailoring in this movie is immaculate. Yeah. There were so many times, like there were so many times that I was like left breathless by his wardrobe. Yeah. And once again, I was just like, I need to start taking care of myself so I, too, can wear like a seven piece suit with a gold watch chain. Yeah, there's a sequence when Ian McShane's character, Winston, like has to deliver like this information to him. And he has to walk by like all of these paintings that uh, this guy named the Marquis is is, you know, like sitting in, I guess, his his own like private chateau or whatever um, house. I don't know. I don't know if chateau is the right context there, (laughs) Uh, but um, it felt right. Uh, But he's walking buy all of these gigantic paintings and you're like holy shit and it's so funny because again it's one of those scenes where it's so clever that they they, there's just so much knowing winking at the audience that like he walks and normally that would be like a a see him enter see him deliver the message and then and then exit but instead they drag it on another 20 or 30 seconds of him walking and you're just like oh 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 shit he's got a lot of paintings and they're like like really kind of emphasizing like this guy is just so over the top and so ridiculous that he would have all of these giant paintings and like no he wouldn't be sitting towards 
you know, the front or the back. No, nah, he's sitting right in the fucking middle of this place. And so if you want to deliver a message to him, you have to walk across all of that, you know? And it's, um, it's supposed to be that. intimidating, of course, but Ian McShane as Winston is just like, all right, here I am. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. It's great. And that's, that's the kind of stuff, again, like that characterization that I think these movies do so well. And yeah, wonderful stuff like that. But it's like also um, like I don't know like what the fuck was what the fuck was Scott? Speaking of people in their absurd rooms, what is Scott Atkins doing in that room? That's like the worst. I can't believe those people sat there playing cards with a giant spinning rotating fan over them that was causing a strobe effect from that light. I would have fucking yelled at that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, all right, I yeah. want to, I want to, as we like approach the end, I want to, I want to like break down a couple things and uh, just ask some questions. So, Jonah, let's start with yes. you. What was your, what was your, what, like? I think we uh, let's let's take the the dragon's breast scene off the table because I feel like we all really love that. Sounds sounds good. So, what was your favorite set piece? And I'm gonna say that the 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 sprint to the church can be broken up into independent ones. So like, you know, cafe, uh, Arc de Triomphe, and then you could, you could do staircase one or staircase two, if you like, or you could just say (laughs) staircase altogether. So I'm the Osaka continental is all one set piece. Cause I know it was like really long with little yeah. like sub set pieces. I'm going like, yeah, to let you, I'm going to let you define what you think. A set okay. piece. If you want <laughs> to right. form your own boundaries. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I would still, man, I, I think I'd still give the edge to the Osaka one as my favorite mm-hmm. one, even though, even though I said earlier that I, you know, would have liked a maybe 90 minute version of just the, honestly, I could have seen a 90 minute version of you know just the sort of paris sort of you know pre-dawn sort of run across paris but with the osaka one tacked in the beginning <laughs> tacked on <laughs> the beginning because i thought that was the film's like i i thought at least most the complex most complex the, the, the largest scale fight with a lot of like little supporting players doing like shining in, in, in like particular moments um and then donnie yen's intro too with the, in the kitchen as bill talked about um uh, yeah, I just thought it was like a lot happening there. Even then, some of it did get a little repetitive for me, but I thought more of it worked than didn't for me. And I thought it was overall very ambitious. And so I, I'd go with the Osaka Continental. All right. There's the entirety of the Osaka Continental. Yeah, uh, yeah nice. sure. <laughs> right. Bill Graham, what about yourself? Um, I'm going to go... You know, if we're taking Dragon's Breath off, yes, um, we have to. Otherwise, there's yeah, Dragon's yeah, yeah, yeah. Breath. Dragon's I, breath. I, I, I think I think the the two that are tied for me is the Arc de Triumph, and I've already kind of mentioned why I find that sequence so fun. And part of mm-hmm. that is because obviously so much of that is is CGI or you know background cars or things like that. But they keep throwing them into you know, the stuntmen and you you have to like confront the reality of the fact that like these stuntmen are getting hit by vehicles and you're just like, wait, 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 wait. So <laughs> how many of these cars are actually real and how many are fake? And so it, it just, it's a mind trip. Right. And obviously they know that that's what they're doing there. They're, they're, they're trying to like play with the audience and say, yes, we know, you know, that this is mostly green scaring, but this fucking car is not. And this one's not either. And you're just like, Oh shit. 
Um, so that's a lot of fun, but I would say the fight with Scott Adkins, Killa Harkin is so much fun because a it's, you know, it's a little bit of a cheat because obviously he is a very good martial artist and stunt performer in a fat suit. So Mm -hmm. there's that kind of going for it, but honestly, I expected John Wick to wipe the table with him and he doesn't. And, and even, even the intro of him, of that fight sequence, he basically shoots him in the ass and you're like, what a, what a silly character. Like this guy is so stupid. And then he turns around and starts fighting and you're like, Oh fuck. This guy is actually like John Wick's match in terms of hand to hand combat. Um, He, he, kicks the shit out of John Wick in several sec- sequences. Um it was real so, it was real um kingpin vibes from uh mm-hmm. from Spider-Man. I I remember that um in the in the traumatizing early 90s Spider-Man animated TV series <laughs> um mm-hmm. he fights Kingpin at some point and you know you you see Kingpin you're like there is a very large fat man. Um and then Kingpin like gets him in a chokehold or something and says like you know, I, I have 7% body fat. Like, do you know what the other mm-hmm. 93% is? And I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's intense. Yeah. And I feel like Scott Atkins in this movie has given those vibes pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think I think that sequence is really brutal. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's shot really interestingly in, like, this nightclub sequence where everybody's dancing and it's got, like, endless amounts of waterfalls for whatever fucking reason. Um, I, I listened to Chad Stahelski talk about like doing the sequence on the big picture. Um, he did a long interview with the big picture. Um, and he was just like, it'd be really cool if we just had some waterfalls and let's, let's like (laughs) do, do action choreography while everybody's like being drenched in rain. Like in a lot of ways, He's he's kind of like, what are the things that most action choreography people would like sweat bullets over? Let's do that. Like, oh, fuck, you're going to like have rain during the sequence. That's going to be a nightmare. And he's like, cool, that's what I want. I want to do that. I want to do the thing that causes everybody to have issues. I want to try and pull that off. And like, because A, that means that other choreographers are going to be really impressed by that maybe up their game but also b it means most likely someone else hasn't done that right if it's a fucking nightmare for you to do then most likely (laughs) nobody else has done it because it's a nightmare and so that sequence is also beautiful because of that so even though everyone in that dance club has legionnaires disease like there's just (laughs) you can't have that much water in that kind of environment and everyone's not getting like some sort of terrible paramecium (laughs) <laughs> and that's yes. a quote and it was funny because like the the night before i'd gone out for like the first time in forever and i was like at a bar doing a bunch of stuff and people were dancing and everything and then i see it in john wick and i'm like ridiculous like i can't believe these people are dancing all these people are fighting and then i was like i was trying to play a game of pool and those people like on the dance floor were like the more people on the dance floor there were the more they started to leave the dance floor and we're clearly not paying attention to fucking anything happening around them so honestly, probably true. I don't know how much hand-to-hand combat could go on in a dance club where people wouldn't notice, but it's probably <laughs> a lot more than zero. 
<laughs> As for me, I I think the stairs. I think the, the stairs one and stairs two. Just the whole sequence in the stairs. I like I like the clear goal of it. You know, like it sometimes these fights, it's just like I've just got to keep going until everyone's dead. And this one was you've got X amount of minutes. You got to get to the church. You know, there's there's a staircase that's fucking forever and a day long. And you just got to fight your way to the top of it. And so you can tell by his geographical motion how well he's doing and also by how he's murdering everyone around him. And at the same time, when he gets to the top and then gets thrown down and uh, Daffy Duck Infinity falls <laughs> all the way to the bottom again. And then he has to do and you know how hard it was that first time. And it's only going to be harder now. And it's just awesome. Like I and again, it's got that perfect time to kill ratio um, where most of the guys are just getting axed immediately. Actually, no, I can't say axed because there is a moment in this movie where he does murder people with an axe. Um, <laughs> they're just getting capped immediately. Um, but there are the couple of guys who are like a touch harder, you know? And mm -hmm. so there it goes. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that was pretty awesome. And then just like, He's got to throw a guy down and then that guy gets up and then he's still got to take him out. And it's the part where his gun, he like takes the slide off because it's got like a knife integrated into it. <laughs> oh, so awesome. I will say I do. I did kind of miss like, you know, in, in the second movie, one of my favorite scenes is when he goes to the sommelier. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, like, what what do we do for, like, an appetizer? Peter Serafinowicz. Like, yes. Yeah. And it's just like, and, you know, this one's bold, robust. And it's like they're just talking about guns. And, again, as a gun person, I love that. Um, I do wish that they maybe had done a little more of that in this movie. Um, mm -hmm. But when they talk about the – because when they talk about the Pit Viper – you know, and they're like, you know, clean moving slide, you know, elongated, you know. And it was funny because they say it's like a two pound trigger pull. I was like, two fucking pounds. I was like, I guess, I guess if you're like in a hand to hand fight, you don't want a light trigger. Still feels mm -hmm. like a lot to me. Um, but yeah, I kind of miss that because like, you know, it's like the uh, you go to fat. I guess Fast and Furious is kind of doing the same thing. Like you used to go to the Fast and Furious movies. It's like, I want to learn about cars, baby. Let's talk about how many cams or heads are on this thing i don't know i know shit nothing about cars <laughs> but it's cool to how, how many to psi a boost yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 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 make sure you inflate your front tires to 36 but the back ones to 34 um oh, no i, I meant I'm, i meant for like a turbocharger <laughs> yes i know but i i thought oh, okay. it was funny right, for me right. to say that anyway um okay <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't know. I missed a little bit of that, but it's it's fine. It's all right. This movie had a lot yeah. of great stuff. I love that the harbinger comes and is like, you know, we're gonna blow up your hotel in an hour and takes out a giant fucking hourglass. Yeah, it's just like yes, you're like, of oh, course that's, you that's would not gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Ugh, God, and then they apparently had at the same exact moment in a different place a different hourglass turned over. So good. Mm -hmm. I just like the I, I again, I love the operatic stuff. I do wish they kind of kept some more of the pulpy dialogue. A lot of this was repetitive, like there is no out, John. Like, you know, you'll never be free, John. Which mm -hmm. we haven't even I mean, I said we were wrapping it up and we should, 
But we didn't even talk about the fact that he's dead at the end of this. Yeah, he's not dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, you know, he could, <laughs> he could very well not be dead. Like this could just be like, yeah, the John Wick is dead. But now like Jonathan Smick is, is alive. I don't know. It's, I, it, I mean, I think I think the only way out is up. And so he's going to have to continue to take out the rest of the hide table at this point. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm curious to see where they go from this, because basically he he should be out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, theoretically. Uh, so it's curious to see what might draw him back in. Um, maybe some, you know, some of his associates get into trouble. And so he's got to help them out instead. Maybe he's, he's a free man, but you know, he keeps getting drawn back in, um, to help his other friends. Maybe John Leguizamo. Is he still alive? I think he's still alive. He is. He was Um, in the second movie. He's definitely in the second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember if he's in the third. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, maybe maybe he helps somebody out. It it was interesting, you know, Stahelski's been very open. Oh, uh, I, I want to mention this. This is the first film in the John Wick franchise to not be uh written by Derek Kolstad, who started the franchise. Um, so that's interesting. Um, but uh it, it Chad Stahelski, the director, has been very open about the fact that like he he kind of thinks of like what it what it would be like if this guy was actually real. Right. And he, he keeps saying this kind of line over and over of like, look, like people keep wondering if I'm going to give John like a good ending, like a, like a happy ending. And he's like, this motherfucker. No, like he's killed so many people. There is no happy ending for this guy. Right. Like, like y'all are, silly like why why would you you don't want a happy ending for john like well let's let's test that jonah do you want a happy ending for john (laughs) well um i mean my gut reaction is i mean yes (laughs) within the context of this movie world but i guess if uh thought experiment that bill provided like this guy in our world i mean i'd have to think about that a little bit Um, but my gut reaction is yes (laughs) i my thing is i think that that these movies have done a very good job of making it seem as though everyone he's killing he would prefer not to kill like he's not Mm -hmm. like a thrill killer like he got out someone killed his dog and stole his car and yeah it's like a bit of an overreaction i guess but like all of those people sucked. And then he went back home. And then that fucking asshole in the second movie is like, I'm calling in my maca. I don't even remember what his his, uh, his accent was. And he does this stupid thing. And then he gets, he goes and he kills the guy in the Continental, right? Which is why he gets excommunicado because he breaks the Correct. rules. And yes. then, you know, people just won't leave him alone. Like he he really seems like he just wants it to stop. So, yeah, I don't know. And he's not, again, like, this entire world is populated by nothing but people who kill people. So, like, you know, it's not like John Wick, I don't know, shot up a nunnery. Like, you know, he just wants to stop. He got a second dog and he has not had any time to hang out with it. And now it's Mm -hmm. Lawrence Fishburne's dog. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, I I'd know. be fine with him getting a happy ending. I mean, that's all he wanted when when he hung up his Baba Yaga cape and like fell in his love cape. with uh, <laughs> what's her name, Bridget Monahan? Is that the one? Yeah, Bridget Monahan. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I I just I think I think in a lot of ways Stahelski is right that like. I just don't see him riding off into the sunset. I don't see him like finding a new love interest. I just, I just don't see this guy getting out and being happy. I just yeah, can't. Not no, not I after think, everything that's happened. Right? I think the dog so, Daisy was his best chance. Correct. And I, I think, think I think that, he, uh, that it's he's gone, fucked. and he's just been on like a, a bender ever since. He's he's Nick Cage and leaving Las Vegas, except instead of drinking. It's fucking mm-hmm. killing people. Well, and I do think what's interesting is, and this this uh, film picks up shortly after the other one as well, because he's still got like bullet holes and all this other stuff in him uh, when we first meet him uh, in the uh, in that sequence where they light everything, the floor on fire for no fucking reason, except it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Um but I think what's interesting is the first three films, if I'm not mistaken, I know it's the first two. The first two basically happened in like a week span, right? It's like a, a week or two week span. Everything is just fucking happening. And then I think the third film happens not that long after that one. So basically, this guy's had a really shitty like half a year, <laughs> like like a real shitty half a year, right? So it's just like this. This just keeps getting worse and worse for him. And so you know, I'm I'm curious to see if they jump ahead in in the time or anything like that. You know, because um, it seems like maybe maybe they you know, give him a little bit of time to kind of rest up, whether it's in the ground or whether it's, it's not, you know, maybe, maybe someone will uncover him. Like he uncovered his guns in the first film, you know, <laughs> they'll be like, ah, got to bust out Baba Yaga again. Um, so, and I mean, this yeah. is a world that's getting expanded. We've got the ballerina movie, which is apparently being directed by Len Weissman, which come on. Yeah, I know, but it's got it's got Anna Darmus, who was like, the best part of the last Bond film. So yes, and all of that is true, but that is also why I wish she had a better director. You know, but maybe I know. learned I, his fucking lesson. I don't know. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, if Stahelski is behind it, and and eighty seven eleven, which is the his like action studio, um, mm-hmm. is behind it. I'm still very curious to see how this does because, you know, I I like Stahelski a lot, but he hasn't really ventured outside of this specific franchise. And unfortunately his, his partner, his co-director on the first film um, has, and uh, has not had success. And so you're just like, Oh Uh, yeah. I remember when we were talking about atomic blonde and I was like, look, what's, what's the other guy's name? I, I have to look that up. This quick. is a problem. David, David Leach. Yeah, I was yeah like, David this, Leach. This is making me. Feel, I I said something along the lines of like, this is making me feel that maybe uh, Chad was holding up more than his fair share in the John Wick movie. If this is what David's <laughs> capable of. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I I'm curious I to know, see you, if 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 what Stahelski does outside of this franchise as well. 
Yeah, well, wasn't uh, maybe Leech was the guy who was doing it? Some one of them was looking to redo uh, Highlander, I think. Neither of them uh, did nobody, right? Nobody was ha- the director of Hardcore Henry. Yeah. No, I, I think Stahelski has talked about like doing certain things and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, he should remake a Highlander. As well as adaptation of Rainbow Six, Ghost of Tsushima, um, oh, nice. Black oh, yeah, Samurai. So, yeah. Oh, are you, yeah. So. I'm looking at I'm looking at stuff. Well, he's got like a lot of in development, mm-hmm. but also yeah, of his, his his in development is like 47 fucking things long. So I don't even know. I don't know what that could all be. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I I love Anna Daramus. I, I you know her as a fucking killer ballerina sounds awesome. Um, I think the Continentals getting a TV series. I don't know, Jonah. Yeah. What what are you what are you most looking forward to? Uh, like out of like Stahelski's future projects and stuff. Oh, I was going to say the John Wickiverse, but yeah, like oh, you know, also <laughs> also Stahelski. Yeah, yeah. I know they announced a lot of. So I haven't like I have to revisit what they are exactly. Like other than ballerina, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I was looking at the person who's the supervising stunt coordinator for Ballerina, and I don't know exactly. There might have been other stunt coordinators on these films, but it looks like he worked on, he, he did work on John Wick 4, and then he also worked on Uncharted, which I know people disliked it. I actually liked that movie, but that could be for another time. <laughs> but so I don't know. Well, we'll see, I guess. I guess if 87 and 11's behind it, um could be promising um did you guys watch uh day shift that with with uh jj Perry i did directed it? no yeah. did yes. you like it i i thought it had its moments that it, some of it was pretty fun but for the most okay. part i thought i thought it was largely mediocre uh, oh, okay yeah I, I liked it a lot so for me like that's like a promising 87 11 recent project so uh, mm-hmm. But that's the that's action neat, sequences so. yeah. in that is a lot of fun for yeah, sure. Scott, Scott Atkins cameo was so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I looked it up by the way. The choreographer's name is Justin Peck. <laughs> Not Josh Peck <laughs> Justin is Peck. indeed an actor. Justin Peck is the choreographer. <laughs> okay. Um, I I I was driving me nuts. I was like, it can't be Josh. They both can't be Josh. Anyway, the uh, the 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 documentary that I saw him in is called uh, Ballet Four Twenty Two. So check it out. Okay, it's an incredible it's an incredible fucking documentary. Uh, it's apparently on something called Docs, which doesn't sound like a real thing. <laughs> oh, I get it. It's Docs, like documentaries, but it's spelled D O X. It's spelled D O X, and I was like, "What is this? Like a place where like we tell on people? What the fuck?" <laughs> Oh man! But anyway, are there any final thoughts on uh the the fourth chapter of the John Wick saga? No, I'm I'm curious sounds, to see where this like goes. Yeah. Um, no, not for the movie, but I'm like I don't know. That's like I think listeners should go check out uh, more movies by uh, Scott Atkins and Marco Zoror, um if they enjoyed them in these movies. I think especially. I think a good starting point would be the Undisputed sequels. Uh, Undisputed 2 was like Sky Ken's breakout movie. And then in Undisputed 3 actually fights Marco Zor um, at the end. Um, and then Marco Zor is also... Yeah, sorry. Is, is, is uh, Jai White 
one of his opponents in any of those? In, I thought yeah, I... number number two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then and then four is actually my personal favorite, Boyk Undisputed. So you have that to look forward to. Um, and then Marco Zorro was in this 2014 film called Redeemer, where he's in a leading role that I liked a lot as well. Um, so I just wanted to throw out those wrecks um, if people are interested. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely and, interested after seeing this movie. And after hearing that apparently he's got like a cult following, I'm just like, all right, I got mm-hmm. He's he's big. Uh and if you want to look up some more stuff by Donnie Yen, I mean, this guy has a a huge back catalog. Um, mm-hmm. but he's probably most famous for the It Man franchise. Uh It Man, if you don't know who that is, he is uh, a legendary uh Kung Fu master that uh uh is supposed to have uh trained Bruce Lee. So mm-hmm. I think he, is, he, yeah, it's an in M4. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think Tyson's in four as yeah. well. In one of the yeah. three, I think. But yeah, he is okay. Yeah. yeah. I looked up oh, John lots Wick, of fun. The, the original John Wick, because I was I it, it again just still strikes me as so weird that like it's gotten to this point. And I like I'm looking at the the trailer that they released was like, you know, from the producers of the town. It's just kind of funny that like, oh, okay, <laughs> they we're just going with that then. And it's it's like just this very, it's very weird. And like, it's got like hashtag John Wick. Like, you know, make sure that you talk about how fucking cool John Wick is. But then also, I forgot that like the, the poster of this is, is Keanu Reeves. It says the t- Keanu Reeves and he's pointing a gun and the... Uh, barrel of the gun makes the O in John Wick. I forgot that they had the tagline, don't set him off. Mm-hmm. Which is like, you don't set off a wick. You light a wick and then it sets off whatever it's tied to. And I feel I feel like if I had any misgivings about the movie, it was the fact that it's like, oh, he's got like a gimmicky name and they can't even land the right like analogy. And um. Instead, now here we are where you're just like John Wick and it's like, ooh, John Wick. Like, we don't even think about, like, the the crappy sort of, like, his name is Justin Steele and he's just as unbreakable. Like, they really tried at first, or at least the marketing team did, to make the Wick thing a thing. And I'm glad that they gave it up and now John Wick is just a fucking all-around badass. They really turned a corner mm-hmm. on that. I need to go back. Like, I really do now. I want to rewatch all these movies and just see what the change is. Like, it. I feel like even just watching this John Wick trailer, again, like, it was just a lot more pulp. Like, he, he knew more people. He had more old friends. And it was, like, really, like, he's back in the game. And this movie, again, like, he's got the friends, but everyone's talking in so much more, like, you know, uh, the the tiger can only, you know, see his stripes as they are reflected in the pond and never knows himself truly. And it's all right. Come on, guys. Like, can we just have a real conversation here? So I'm wondering if like watching them all together, I'll feel any certain kind of way. Like maybe there, maybe I'll come back next week and be like, guys, I did a marathon. And actually these things have gotten pretty fucking weird. I wish we were just fully back in the first one. Hmm. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Anyway, I look forward to rewatching all these. They're great. And uh, this one is no exception. It's making a shit ton of money. And I would not be surprised if John Wick um, 
<laughs> like like Jesus Christ, as we are still in the sent uh, the season of Lent, uh, rises from the grave to bring salvation to all mankind at the later date. So yeah. looking forward to that. Um, uh, Bill, do you know what we're talking about next week? Um, I do not. Off the top of my head. All right. See, this is why we need Robin here. <laughs> I can look that up. Real quick. No. So what I'm seeing is. Okay, so John Wick was this week, obviously. Apparently next week we're doing the Super Mario Brothers movie. I don't know that I agree with that. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know who signed off on that one. Um, I'll have to think about it. (laughs) I might not be here next week if that's the case. That's Um, fine. Yeah. And then after that is uh, Air, which is going to be fun, I think. Mm -hmm. It's at least going to be interesting. Um, I, I was talking to someone online heaven help me i can't remember who and they were talking about air and tetris and how it's this question of like why are we seeing these movies that are about like bringing a product to market you know like what is like not even like the invention of the 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 product itself really but like trying to be a marketing success (laughs) and um i've found it interesting because i again i already plugged it earlier but inkwell whiskey is my whiskey brand which i like created invented and did all this stuff for and so i'm curious as to whether or not these movies will affect me in some way because i'm actually a person who's done what these movies are talking about so can't wait it's gonna be great um and maybe maybe we're gonna talk about super mario brothers i don't know that seems like a weird choice i don't know we'll have to talk to someone about that um but that's it for this week uh it's been very great to talk with all of you about John Wick 4. And um, what else? What else before we get out of here? The usual shit. Patreon.com slash Show to give us your money. If you would like to see some great international films, go to MUBI.com slash Filmstage for a free 30-day trial to Mubi, the uh, streaming studio that elegates great cinema from all across the globe. And if you would like to read great writing about great films... Go to movie.com slash magazine to learn how you can get to subscrip- or a subscription to Notebook Magazine, which will get you both issues for the year for the low, low price of just $40. And that's that. So, uh, yeah, let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we are locked and loaded and ready to go. Jonah, where can people who are interested in reading your work find your work? Outside of Mubi's Notebook Magazine, which you can get, again, by going to mubi.com slash magazine. Um, well, my, my Twitter handle is at, uh, at Jonah Jang, my name. I usually share my pieces there. Um, I guess the most recent thing I wrote was a sort of retrospective on the action filmmaker John Hyams for the LA Review of Books. Um, so if you can search it there if you want to check it out. But otherwise... Most active on Twitter at Jonah Jang's my handle. All right. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Billstagram, and you can find me on the Slack channel, always mixing it up. All right. As for myself, uh, I can be found on uh, Twitter sometimes at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Brian J. Rowan, letterboxed at Brian J. Rowan. Uh, if you do want to learn more about my whiskey and uh, other cool things that I have loved, uh, go to inkwellwhiskey.com. 
And of course, you can find every episode of this here podcast by going to thefilmstage.com, where you can also find a movie writing of mine. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time. Yeah.